Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor and leader of the Psalmist Band Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now here's your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 35 of Thrive Deeper. It's DJ here and uh, excited to bring you this big episode this week. Uh, You're going to have to probably make yourself a little bit of a cut lunch, a cup of coffee with this one, because we've got a lot to get through. Uh, Matthew and I go through your questions at the start of this episode. We have a break and then we get into this intertestamental, I've been practicing that word all week, intertestamental period part one. That's right, we only get through part of what we want to talk to you about what is happening between the Old and the New Testament. I know you're going to enjoy this episode, so get yourself prepared, grab a pen, grab a paper, and like I said, you might have to need a a bicky or something to get you through this one. But after the break, Matthew and I get into your questions on Thrive Deeper. It was funny yesterday um at the time of this recording you were uh spent the entire day rehearsing with your band sons of Cora. yeah that's right because you've got a new member yeah of in the band uh you know a beloved member uh bruce has uh, retired out of the group that's right uh, he's moved in a state you've got a new young hot shot mm-hmm. uh, guy on guitar mm-hmm. mike and uh so going through the rehearsal of that because you have got a local gig Sons of Korra gig happening uh, at the end, towards the end of February. Yeah, that's right. Two shows. Mm. Now you, you like like a prophet in his hometown. Uh, you don't often play. <laughs> you don't often play. The, the band doesn't do a lot of Geelong gigs. Well, uh, well, we used to in, in the early days uh, we did, but it's just it's kind of our home space, I guess. And yeah. uh, you, you, we we get home, and when we're home, we just do home things. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, there's a lot of buzz because, uh, you know, for my for my day job, I work at the uh, local Christian radio station and there's a lot of buzz about this Sons of Korra gig happening, oh, good. happening in February. So. Well, there aren't many seats in the uh, – I mean, it's, it's – I actually, because because it's a home gig, you know, we didn't want to do a, you know, big sort of theatre yeah. kind of thing. So we, we thought, uh, you know, intimate kind of – Church sort of thing, and so we're using the St Philip's Church where um, on Packingham Street, where the Vineyard Church is mm. uh, at, at the moment, and um, great little venue. It's a great little venue. Yeah, mm. it'd be nice. Be nice, close sort of concert. So we're doing two nights there. It'd be great. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Mm. Okay, well, I've already been uh, inundated with people expecting me to be able to somehow magic tickets to them <laughs> for free, and I'm like, let me tell you, people. Even, I think even if you ask Matthew for free tickets, they're not. Happening. I don't think even my I think yeah. even my mum won't get a free. But we, we had to say for the because it's a local concert. Yes, we're just yeah. like, you got to buy yeah, them like yeah. everybody else, and they're not expensive. They're, they're, no, I, I think I think no. the prices are very reasonable. I'm excited. I can't wait. Uh, I'll probably be in there in some capacity. Uh, knowing my luck, taking yeah, photos yeah, yeah, or doing yeah, something yeah. else. And we'll, we'll give you a job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just so I can see the band yet again. Uh, now, we're going to kick off this episode. Uh, this is a little bit different because we're um, sort of transitioning between 
a few different things right now. We're transitioning between uh, two different copies of the new edition of Thrive, mm-hmm. uh, which is about to uh, you know about to take effect, and we're also uh, transitioning between. Um, you know the Old Testament period mm. into you know the next you know the next section we're going to read, which I know is still in the Old Testament, yeah, but yeah. we've sort of covered that part yeah, of the history. Yeah. So before we get into all of that, I thought we haven't done it for a little while. Let's cover some questions. We've got yep. a couple of questions that have come in, mm-hmm. uh, a few questions come in, and so I thought we'd fly through them really quickly. Mm-hmm. A couple of them about the uh, about Nehemiah that I've right. been reading. Yeah. Question number one comes from Nigel, and he says. Uh, Nehemiah spends a lot of time recording about the gates, the name of the gates and the mm. situation of the gates and who's doing stuff around the gates in the wall around mm. Jerusalem that he's, you know, they're, they're, mm. they're repairing. Is there any significance in the names of the gates? Is uh, And this might be out of a question because I've actually heard pastors and preachers mm. and stuff pull out some significant, like yeah. spiritual significance. <laughs> like this is the name of the gate. This is what God's telling us today. How? What, what do you think? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, that That's a little bit. Oh, hey, uh, Nigel, thanks for your uh, question. Nigel and I go way back, so uh, nice to hear from you. The, the short answer is I don't know. Um, but this would be a, this would be a classic one uh, where, where you would hear sermons there with, with, all the, you know that all of the gates are prophesying something about yes. something in the future or something like that. Um, uh, that's obviously very conjectural to to say the least. That that sort of uh, approach. What, what do you what do you like as a, as a as a someone who teaches preaching and, and studies yeah. theology? What do you call that type of preaching? And don't don't give me a smart aleck answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I was just about to. Um, it's. Well, in terms of interpretation, it's it's um, uh, th- there's a danger of what we call allegorizing, where, where you you know where you take things like you know you might say, well, uh, the the five stones that David picked up off the ground when he killed Goliath, yep. they stand for the fivefold ministry in Ephesians chapter four, mm-hmm. or you know mm-hmm. it's like, or um, whatever you know it's that that's a that's allegorizing pretty straightforward narratives. Mm. Um, most probably the names for the gates came from their, partly from their function. Yes. Uh, so I'll, from I'll, where they faced, you I'll, know. I'll quickly, I'll quickly yeah. it's all, it comes mostly from Nehemiah 3, I think. Yeah. And it's uh, the sheep gate is the first one mentioned. Then he's got the fish gate. Yeah. He has the old gate. He has the valley gate, the dung gate, the fountain gate, yeah. um, the water gate. Uh, the horse gate, the where are we? The gate of hump, you know, the word yeah, yeah, I can't yeah, pronounce, yeah. you know, type of thing. And I think the east so, gate. Yeah. So look. So in other words, they're all fairly practical names. You know, the horse gate will be where, you know, there was probably stables there, and and then the 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 dung gate is where they probably took out the the dung, you know, mm, from the yes. city streets, and the valley gate obviously faces the valley. So, I mean, this is. Uh, where I think probably too much can be made of this, uh, just sort of anticipating um, uh, the fact that there are people out there who will make all sorts of things uh, out of of these. I mean, I personally heard a sermon once about how these 10 gates are the growth of the believer. 
You know, you come through oh, yeah, this, yeah, and yeah. then you, you know, you become yeah. your enter as a sheep. That's a classic. You yeah. need the old gate because yeah. this is the old salvation. Yeah. You know, and you're going. Through, you know, the fish. You're a fisherman. Wow. Of you know, all wow. the, all those all those yeah. illustrations. Look, and I was edified. Good. You know, but then I had to turn around and go. Well, I don't, <laughs> I think you might be overlaying yeah, so some. It could, it could have been true. Yes, I'm sure it was true. Yes, uh, everything that you heard, but it, it's not necessarily true of the original intention behind these no, names. No, yeah. I, I, I yeah. again. That's a classic one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, I, I know there's other ones out there. There's, someone needs to produce a book of things yeah. like that, like just <laughs> the ten different, yeah. yeah, the ten different sermons that you can get out of the ten gates of Nehemiah. Yeah. Um, and again, like no offense. You know, you do go, you go, you do go into it as as someone who loves the scripture. You go into it and you want to say, "Okay, Father God, what are you applying to my life yeah. today?" Mm. But then you have to realize Nehemiah wasn't sitting there going, "You know, yeah. I, I've got a sermonette that I'm trying to produce yeah. in this." You know, yeah. uh, so a balance there. I hope that answered your question, Nigel. Um, okay, next question uh, coming to us is uh, from the lovely Shireen, and uh, she says. Uh, um, I want to give a little bit of background here, and, I, and she's said it's okay to do that. She, she she's come from a Seventh Day Adventist background, an yep. Adventist background, where of course the Seventh Day, as many other uh, Christian religious groups around the world, hold that the Sabbath is still a Sunday, and they hold it. At, at, you know, well, sorry, it's sorry, it's a Saturday, Saturday. Saturday. Yep. So I got that backwards. Yeah. The Sabbath is the Saturday, uh, as as God originally intended it to be. Sunday being the first day of the week. And on a Saturday, you keep that day holy, uh, as as the Jewish people were commanded. Mm. Um, and that's her background. Now mm. she has now stepped into a, a a practice and a faith where we 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 do things on a Sunday. And going through Nehemiah and seeing how much he put an emphasis on the mm. Sabbath day being mm. holy and the Jewish people, it's brought up feelings in in her of thinking, "Hang on, is this law still relevant?" Mm. If this part of the law isn't relevant in the Ten Commandments, why isn't any other like? Do we throw away all the laws? So that, those type yeah, of questions. And have come look, out. the question pertains particularly to the fact that uh, I, I imagine that it's part of the Ten Commandments. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, it's an interesting question. First of all, in relation to the day uh, of the Sabbath. So, um, yeah, Saturday is was originally uh, now the names for the days of the week that we have. A, um, uh, come from sort of the Roman period mainly, but uh, mm. like Saturn and mm. uh, anyway. Uh, so the the uh, the the custom of Christians celebrating uh, the Lord's Day uh, as Sunday comes from the earliest times um, when uh, you know Sunday was the was the first day of the week on which Jesus rose from the dead. So that. It sort of was a way of signifying a new creation that this becomes um, that the sort of holy day becomes the you know the, the first day of the week, mm. <clears throat> and so over time that became the kind of Christian Sabbath, I guess. Now, I mean, I think I think that's less. I think which day is less important, and I know so, I know some um, Seventh Day Adventists uh, would would disagree, and 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 I, I think they would have a an argument to, mm. to disagree with that, but that's that, that's fine. Um, uh, in terms of, uh, I, I think this is an interesting one, and, and I'm I'm um, 
I feel like my thoughts are still in transition. I'd be interested to know what you think uh, about this, DJ. But I, I think let, let's start at, at, at the very least. You know, I think there's a really important principle there in the fourth commandment uh, around the Sabbath, around this idea of rest, and um, you know, I, I think of this principle. Um, uh, f- first of all, I think it's completely valid. Actually, I think I mean our. Our weekend kind of structure to our lives is built around this idea that we need a rest. You need a day off, right? Mm, mm. And so, so I think already, in, in a way, we are observing that uh, because uh, the idea of working constantly seventh day, seven days a week, um, there, there would, you know, that that most people understand that that's not healthy. So, so I think in. I think we do really observe that in our, in our culture, and I think it would be unhealthy for us not to. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, there, there are you know there is people work on the shops are all open on Sundays, yes. and should we close the shops on Sundays? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's another that's another big uh, big question. Mm. Um, and even in the discussion that is great, and this is a great discussion. This is what this uh, the Facebook group that yeah. we have around Thrive Deeper is so great. There's a great discussion that's grown out of that. And 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 one of the person, one of the people in the conversation said, "Look, I remember as a kid Sunday being you could skip down, you could play football in the main street, you know, yeah. because every everything was shut." Everything yeah. was quiet. Nobody was about on a Sunday. Yeah, well, back in the day, you probably couldn't. You'd probably be pulled up if you played football. Yeah, But you know what I mean. Yeah, like it was yeah. that, the comment being, it's it was so quiet. A Sunday was so quiet. Now a Sunday's just another day. Yeah. Well, you think that it's the, the I, I always just go to the the chariots of fire. You know, the, did you see the film, the yeah, chariots yeah, of yeah, fire, yeah. and the and the thing about running on the Sabbath and the start. There's this scene, you know, where he's coming out of church and th- there's a kid that kicks a football, you know, and he says to the kid, he says to this kid, you know, pulls him up and he said, Sabbath's not a day for playing football, is it? You know, and he, it's like, it's a classic sort of statement. Yeah. And, I mean, we, we would think, oh, gee, well, that's, that's a recreation activity. Like, yes. isn't that part of yeah. uh, being restful? So, Okay. It's a big look. It's a big uh, question. I, I think, in principle, I think it does apply. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, building in a structure to our week where where we have time for rest um, as a principle is really really important. H- how that is actually played out, mm-hmm. whether it needs to be uh, everyone on a particular day, whether we need to close everything down mm-hmm. uh, on that particular day. Um, that doesn't happen in our society. Should it happen? Uh, I'm, I, my thoughts are still in transition yeah. a little. Uh, uh, for, for me personally, I'll be I'll yeah. be very honest. I mean, we sat down as a family. Uh, you know, the, you know, we're we're still uh, in the time of this recording. We're still in January 2019. So we sat down just in the last week yeah. and said, right, what's our goals for this year as a family? You know, let's set some milestones that we want to see happening in 2019. Where do my kids want to be? And all these all these type of things. What do we do as a family? And uh, together as a family, and it wasn't a popular decision. I probably put up the most complaints yeah, myself, yeah. even though I'm the one enforcing the decision. I said we really need to take Sundays a little bit more, mm. more as a holy day, mm. uh, you know. And you know, a lot of groaning yeah. and stuff. And I said, in our culture, in our home, um, for I think the big thing that is dividing us and, and le- stopping us from letting it, let mm. us be a family are our devices. You know, we uh, love, yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. all love to come yeah. home and we have a day of rest, but mm. maybe a day of rest isn't each of us on our own couch, yeah. on our own device, yeah. <laughs> totally devoid of one yeah. another. Even if that rest is yeah. us putting the yeah, devices away yeah. and having time together because yeah. I think that's what 
yeah. you know, we should have. Maybe we need to be more hospitable on a yeah. Sunday. We, you know, maybe we need to, uh, you know, spend some time together and, and actually face-to-face interacting. That's great. So, uh, yeah, I, I really, I, I like that idea. I mean, I, I, I really think there's something for this, which is why, for me, my thoughts are in transition because uh, I feel like, if anything, we should take this more seriously, not less yeah. seriously. And, it, and, yeah. You know, and and I look look. I have um, I have a lot of friends in the Adventist uh, Adventist church, and and there's some really great things Mm. happening in in, there. And um, and and I and I certainly respect that uh, argument. For me, actually, Saturday is really. I mean, for me, as a pastor, yeah, as as a pastor, it's really my that is your step my my day of rest. I mean, in some ways, I, I speak of Sabbaths. You know, I find moments throughout the week to go and, and spend time with God, mm. and um, uh, that, that's a slightly different sort of application of, of that idea. But I do see it as connected with that idea. Yeah. It's like taking time out with God, regular time out with totally. God. I, I, I also think that the problem here is that when we get too caught up <clears throat> in the rules and the regulations yeah. about it, and I think the words of Jesus when he was with his <clears throat> disciples of saying that the, the, the Sabbath was made for the man, yeah. not man for the Sabbath. Yeah. That's an important principle yeah. in, in thinking of yeah. this. Like, why are we doing it? Are we becoming a slave to what we think is happening here? Yeah. Or are we saying, no, this is a tool in what God has given me to enjoy him yeah. and, and, and all of that? That's right. And that's why I think starting with the principle is really important. Uh, because a very law-first approach can get absurd. I mean, in in Israel, for, for example, I mean, I got to see how um, uh, the, the, how the Sabbath observant, how far it actually goes, you know, to the point where uh, the hotel that we stayed in in Jerusalem has a Sabbath elevator, you know, that 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 stops, on stops at every floor, so yeah. you, so that so that Jews on the Sabbath don't have to press the button, because yeah. pressing the button would be work. And, and you know, I was talking to a young couple. Um, uh, Orthodox Jewish couple who were saying they were overseas in Europe and it was uh, they were staying in a hotel and, on the, and they didn't have a Sabbath elevator and so to get to their room on way up high in this hotel on the Sabbath they got in the lift and they just had to go up and down and up and down until someone actually pressed the button for their floor you know they said they were waiting in the car park at one point for ages they were you know wow. and uh, because they would not push the button. And they, uh, would they not ask anybody to push the button for them, or is no, no? That's that's asking someone else to work on the Sabbath for you. Wow. Uh, wow. So, uh, so they just had had to wait until that happened. You know, I mean, they you, you, they will uh, pre tear toilet paper on the on the Sabbath and pile it up so you don't have to tear toilet paper when you're walking through uh, the streets of Jerusalem. Uh, you'll see these lines, like rope, with knots tied at different intervals. In in same yeah. in same in uh, in the uh, suburb of um, Balaclava, Balaclava and 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 Caulfield in yeah. Melbourne, around yeah. St Kilda. There, you'll see the same thing. Okay, yeah, where yeah. they have these knots, and that's that is to measure out how far you can walk yeah. on a Sabbath day yes. uh, without it becoming work. And it's also a loophole in the law where they've got it in in the one that I know that it's in Balaclava. Around a few blocks, they've got a string tied up on. They're allowed to by council yeah. have the string tied up, yeah. and because that allows them to say that that is the enclosure of their home, yeah. and they allow to move freely within the yeah, home. Yeah, that's right. And they need that fenced off area. They need that, and yeah. all, all they need, and they've decided that a string <laughs> yeah. up high is is, is allowed yeah. to. Be there. So wow, it's, wow. You know that, and and if, like, you know, I, I want to 
uh, you know, I want to respect uh, that. And um, but but I I I feel that you know this is the kind of thing that Jesus came up against mm. that certainly for him missed the point mm. of the Sabbath. Yeah. And so he was prepared to do a whole lot of things on the Sabbath, which was strictly speaking um, not lawful yeah. uh, according to the rabbinic uh, tradition. So Jesus talks about adding lots of tradition uh, on top of the original principles yes. of the law. And, I, and, and I, I feel like that's really doing that, you know yeah. what I mean? So, so I, I would disagree with that, mm. that approach uh, to the Sabbath. Look, I, I know... Uh, Christians who have refused to turn on lights, for example, on 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 uh, actually in, in that case it was a Sunday, um, you know, because that would be causing someone to work again. You know, I, I want to respect the way that, however, people want to do this, um, but but I feel like a principle first approach is is the most yep. is going to be the most uh, important. Well, this is a good. This approach. is a great great question that leads into the last question that we've got yep. for today's episode. And uh, I want to I want to reiterate again. If you've got a question, we would love to hear from you. Head over to the website thrivetoday.net.au and and fire it off there, or head over to our Facebook page in our Facebook group. You'll be able to do that. Uh, you know, within the community as well, if you want that discussion to happen. One last comment or question that we've gotten, uh, and and you've received this, uh, you know, number of times quite personally as well. Mm. And this is a great like talking about the Sabbath and the law. There is a great way to springboard out of it. Is in, especially out of what you've been writing in Thrive, uh, in in the Thrive, uh, you know, daily reading, you you have been accused of what is what is uh, you know shorthand, you know, being called the replacement theology, mm. you know, type of principle, and and again, you can you can build into that, basically meaning that all the promises and the prophecies to, that were that that God gave the Jewish people have not only been you know fulfilled you know in in Christ and the church but we we have gone on and replaced them as God's chosen people. Uh yeah well strictly speaking replacement theology teaches um that God is finished with the Jewish people yeah. and that the that the church is a complete replacement uh of uh so, so there's no um uh yeah so so that I I guess um to, to my, my my short answer to that is that I'm certainly not an av- ad- advocate of that yes. of that idea. Same time, uh, the the um the the church has been grafted in to the covenant with Israel. We've mm. been grafted into that covenant, mm. but God's covenant with Israel is an everlasting covenant. It was an mm. everlasting covenant. Mm. So, um and and I think Paul makes it very clear in Romans nine to eleven that God isn't finished with the Jewish people. I mean, Amen. I heard a, I heard an advocate of replacement. Uh, theology um, saying outright, God is finished with the Jewish people. And I just could not, I can't, couldn't see mm. how he could say that in the light of uh, Romans 9 to 11, mm-hmm. f- just for one, let alone just the nature of God's everlasting covenant. So um, uh, that, 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 you know, that this replacement theology to me is very radical and, and, and I, uh, Sort of position that I that I disagree with. Now, the, the reason the reason I, I can come across like that is, is this, and this is the difficulty with with uh, with Thrive, and and this is a good question because it it speaks to the limitations that I experience in writing a two hundred and seventy <laughs> yeah. word entry. Yeah. 
and why, and why we do for, and for why Thrive, we do, because I just can't qualify everything. And it's sort of why this podcast, yeah, why we right, do exactly yeah. what we're doing <laughs> that's now. Right. So, um, you know, in that space, uh, uh, I can only do so much. Now, particularly when dealing with prophecy, um, <clears throat> you know, prophecy, we've talked about this, can have multiple fulfillments. Uh, in, in that one fulfillment becomes a sort of almost preemptive fulfillment mm-hmm. um, of, of an ultimate fulfillment, you mm-hmm. know. And, um, and then, you know, th- there is, you know, so for example, we looked, you know, in Zechariah and, 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 and Ezekiel and it speaks about like the new Jerusalem and God is, it talks about Jerusalem will be a delight. And, and like, there, there is a sense in which that may well be that prophecies like may well be fulfilled literally in the literal, uh, you know, a literal Jerusalem and a literal temple being rebuilt and a literal, uh, and I say may because we're dealing with prophecy. I just think mm-hmm. it's always wiser uh, to to not be too pinned down to a prophetic because <laughs> we're talking about future yes. things. Um, uh, but what what I tend to what I tend to focus on because of the limited space is a sort of an ultimate sense that incorporates us all, you know what I mean? So, you know, I speak – so, so uh, it is um, – uh, I, you know, it is that there is a sense in which uh, the church is the new Jerusalem and the church inherits through its being grafted and in, inherits those, pro- those promises yes. um, and inherits that covenant. And so I tend to apply it in the broadest possible way to the broadest amount of people. Yeah. Otherwise, you're talking about prophecy. You're constantly talking about Israel, 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 which I, I know that some people uh, are really into that, and 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 I don't deny that that's an important aspect. Mm, I think mm. uh, I think in remarkable ways, prophecy uh, is is being fulfilled in in, in the present day, and um, how that is unfolding. That's that's can be controversial, yes. uh, but that. But that God's word is being fulfilled absolutely in yep. in, uh, in in different ways. So, I, I, fi- I find it funny that we're having this discussion in light of what we what we do here, you know, on the podcast, going through the you know historical aspects of Israel, but also on the eve of and while this episode goes out, you're taking a group of believers yep. around Israel <laughs> yeah, itself, right. the physical yeah. Israel, saying, yep. "Look how amazing this is," and not standing around saying. This is ancient history. We've replaced it, you know, type of thing. We're here only because of yeah. everything that has gone on. Yeah, that's on. right. Yeah. So, um, so, so I think God's purposes for uh, the Jewish people are, you know, a central part of what uh, what God is doing. Mm. Um, in the space that I have in Thrive, uh, I don't deal a lot with that because I have limited space, and yeah. I, and I'm wanting to focus, and I'm wanting to jump from. Uh, I'm wanting to jump as quickly as possible to application. Yeah. Now, um, uh, because I think there can be a tendency with with us looking at what's happening out there and 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 getting distracting distracted from the fact that actually this is speaking to something in in here in my life yeah. for me, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and I sort of want to I want to focus on that uh, on that aspect. Yeah. And, and so sometimes mm. in the limited space and the purpose of thrive yeah. is, is to make people feel that to, to acknowledge what God is doing inside yeah. ourselves. Sometimes and I might be putting words on your, yeah. in your mouth here, Matt, you don't have the time or the space to, to put the out there application into it. Yeah. It's because it really, what I want to show is how do these promises and these things apply to you yeah. and to me? <laughs> Um, 
so and the other I mean the other uh, thing to keep in mind too is that I, I'm writing Thrive for a very broad um, reading audience mm. of all denominations yes. and all convictions. Yes. And and I know w- when people have one particular interpretation of prophecy and they immerse themselves in that interpretation, a, a lot of people don't even realize that there are other interpretations and different, yes. you know, yeah. uh, even within, and I'm not, I'm talking outside of replacement that push yes. replacement yes. theology aside, which I, I disagree with. Um, even within orthodox, diff- orthodox uh, evangelical, yeah, you that's know, right. belief. There yes. are so many different. Um, there are so many different interpretations. So, uh, I, I've got to play a tricky sort of conciliatory role, mm. and 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 uh, and that can be that can be hard at times totally. to do that. So, which is why you know I tend to jump to, to a, a more ultimate general application that we can all agree on, mm. and avoiding. Um, uh, as much as possible, th- those the the distinctives. Mm-hmm. That's it's a tricky it's a tricky thing. Oh, uh, we to could do. we we could spend a long <laughs> time talking here yeah. because much and again it, it's a it, this I feel like with the discussion we had about Sunday Saturday the Sabbath is like a tiny tiny little you know shard of the big discussion which yeah. is exactly this what is the what is the relationship yeah. between gentile and jew today with yeah. what god is doing yeah. and we could spend episodes and yeah. episodes on talking about yeah, that that's right so look i i'd encourage people if you are reading something you think oh gee what matt seems to be saying this or this is what we we invite questions like yeah. ask the question <laughs> send in an email and ask yeah. that question yeah. that's what this is for yeah please don't write us off <laughs> yeah please don't. and and that does happen yeah, uh, yeah. i've i have you know cancelled my subscription <laughs> i well could maybe Please ask first, yeah. because you might yeah. find out that you, your reading was uh, wrong. Yeah, yeah, or maybe you misspoke. Like, like oh, that's, that's right. That's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're not saying that that's yeah. right. Oh, is it? And, and that's a really good point because there's been times where I've had feedback and people have said, "Look, this really comes across like this," uh, and and I've gone to it and thought, "Oh, actually, that does come across a little bit like that." On the next uh, next time, I've. I've Change edit it. it. Yeah. Edit it. So, so here, act if you've got you know problems, act as Matt's editor. Yeah. Say how's, <laughs> how's this for a suggestion, and uh, let him let him know from there. Okay. So let's take a short break. When we come back from the break, we'll come. We'll get straight into what we're calling uh, and what is known as the intertestamental period. What is happening between the Old and New Testament here on Thrive Deeper. Matt, intertestamental period. I think yeah. I've learned how to say it properly yeah. now. Uh, this is the time period of we're saying roughly around about 400, 500 yep. years, something like that, between yep. the end of the history that we read in Nehemiah, the prophecies yep. that we read in Malachi, yep. and then the emergence of the New Testament period, the birth of Jesus, John the Baptist, the public right. ministry that we get in the New Testament. That's what the period yeah. that we're talking about. Uh, it's an important period because there are some very important things that happen during this period, 
which uh, help to make sense of, uh, of the New Testament. So it's worth being aware of this 400-year period from uh, where you know, we now we left the story of Nehemiah at around 400, you know Nehemiah and Malachi there, mm. and uh, and after this um, uh, period, we don't have any more prophetic. That there, it's it was uh, accepted among the Jews that after Malachi he was the last uh, sort of writing prophet, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, unt- and and we, as Christians, we would say uh, until John the Baptist came, yeah. uh, who Malachi actually predicts. Yes. So between Malachi and John the Baptist, or between the time of Nehemiah and, and John the Baptist, where the Gospels begin, um, is known as a period of prof- it's a period of prophetic silence. Mm-hmm. It's a period of waiting of an an- anticipation, but it's a it's a very eventful period actually, as, as far as the history of the world. Uh, as far as the history of the world, but also as far as the history of the Jewish people, yeah. um, and um, and so I thought it would be good to actually go through and tell that that story. There there are there there are parts of this which we don't know much about. There's mm-hmm. some parts that we know a lot about. Mm-hmm. Uh, books like the books of Maccabees, for mm-hmm. example, um, which are what what's called apocryphal books. Um, they are. Traditional Jewish Jewish writings that aren't included in the Tanakh or the Old Testament, mm-hmm. um, they are included. Books like the books of Maccabees are included in the Orthodox and the Catholic uh, Bibles. Mm-hmm. Um, that's partly because um, in Orthodox and Catholicism um, they give quite a high uh, um, degree of authority to tradition. Yes, and so these are belong to the traditional to the, books. Yeah, tradition. So. Yeah. Uh, whereas for um, uh, for Protestants, it's the principle of sola scriptura. You know, yeah. su- scripture alone uh, yeah. and not authority is the final um, uh, final um, cool. authority. Okay, so the question about so that's that's the first question that a lot of people have. Yeah. Hey, my friend's got a Bible, or I grew up with this type of Bible that yeah. does have this you know extra little bit in between yeah. the what we would yeah. call the apocrypha. Uh, I heard another word for it. The what is it? The judo canon, canon, judo canon, something. I was like, Mo, I've never heard that word before. This period here with yeah. the writing, is that my question? And um, is I know as you said, orthodox, uh, some ortho, most orthodox, uh, um, you know, practices of uh, you know like Eastern Orthodox and things yeah, like yeah. that, Russian Orthodox, they observe it. Yeah. Uh, Catholics have it in their Bible as well. Yeah. Um, us as Protestants, we we get it out of there. Yeah. What are the what are what does uh, observant Jews think about those books today? Um. Uh. I, I, well, because some of them aren't really. Are they all tied into this period, time period, or they? Um, they, they are. They actually go. These books go um, extend right up to uh, around the t- the first century, and yes. and. Um, uh, you know the wisdom of Solomon is is very close to the time of Jesus is a one of the apocryphal books. Yes, um, they they they're accorded they're they're accorded a fair degree of authority. I mean, it's you know the 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 Jews have the Tanakh, which is the Old Testament, and then they have a whole lot of other traditional uh, writings, interpretations, explanations of um, sort of an oral history that was originally written down. Um, and you know, so you've got the Talmud, and then so you've got these other um, writings which are accorded a high degree of authority. So mm-hmm. tradition for 
as far as I know, and I'm not an expert on this, yes. but as far as I know, uh, tradition within the Jewish faith is, is um, attributed quite a high degree of authority. Again, as as Protestants, and I guess the distinctive of the Protestant faith is this idea, well, it's it's Scripture alone, uh, because tradition can go in all sorts of directions. And, and Jesus himself criticised the traditions yes. uh, of, of the scribes and the Pharisees, um, th- that they had loaded uh, heaps over uh, what Jesus acknowledged uh, um, as the law and the prophets and the writings. And there are places where Jesus acknowledges the law and the prophets and the writings, which are the three major divisions of mm. the, the Tanakh or the Hebrew Bible, which is our Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, some of the books in the Apocrypha. So here's a question. Uh, some people would go, gee, we shouldn't read them. We shouldn't have anything to do with them. Uh, they're going to lead me astray. No, no, they're obviously that's, that's, bad. Yeah. Uh, there is a mix of fairy tale element in amongst some of the books that is yeah, you know, quite yeah. like this is a bit insane. There's some teachings in there that I think, oh, that's a bit, you know, not yeah. exactly orthodox. But there's a lot of history in some of these books as well. Yeah, oh, they're, they're worth reading. I mean, the, the, the Susanna, you know, the, the story of Susanna and mm. um, the, uh, the the books of the Maccabees, mm. I think, are fascinating. And I'll tell the story uh, in a moment about that that period. So, yeah, I, I certainly think they're, they're worth reading. Um, uh, that they are they're great background to the to the New Testament, of course, in coming out of this period. So. Um, worth it there. Yeah, very, very much worth it. So okay, so there's that's that's the you know the actual written record and everything like that. So let's okay. let's zoom back out and have a look at that history there. Yeah. So we have we have we've leave the Jewish people as this you know the remnant re-establishing themselves. They've got the wall repaired. There, it's not looking hopeful because there's some sin in the camp, and they're like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. and. We go, and then it goes radio silence. That's right, yeah, then there's radio silence. But also we should say at that time one of the largest known kingdoms of, of the entire world yeah. is, is, is in dominance. The Persians yeah. are there. They are massive. Yeah. But there's a, there's, there's a shadow coming on the horizon, yeah. which Daniel prophesies. You know, we, yeah, we, that's right, we, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, in this period uh, you've, uh, it's the Persian Empire that dominate Really, the ancient Near East, and um, even I mean, the Greece is um, experiencing during the time of Nehemiah. You know, uh, Greece is, uh, is is very much a force to be reckoned with uh, in the West. Uh, you've got the Greek sort of golden age uh, now, uh, j- just sort of around the time of Ezra Nehemiah. In the meantime, you've got the Greek golden age sort of happening, really. Yeah. Um, so, so Greece is certainly a force to be reckoned with in the in the West, uh, and they're going to soon they're going to push in uh, they're going to push east, and we're going to hear some more. I think it's it's worth uh, knowing though that and, and and we've we've sort of covered this that that there are not only Jews in Judea. Uh, there are Jews uh, still because we looked at the story of Esther. Yes, uh, there are still Jews in Babylon, in Susa, uh, in the Persian Empire. Now there are actually also a lot of Jews in Egypt, um, and this is going to be a very important definitely uh, part of of the intertestamental hi- hi- mm-hmm. history. Actually, mm-hmm. now as the Jews in Egypt, um, there was a large, pretty much from the time actually of the Jewish exile. Even at this time, there was a big Jewish settlement. So when, if you remember, when the um, from the end of the book of Jeremiah, 
there was this final rebellion where the governor Gedaliah was uh, was was killed and yeah. and these Jews uh, went down into Egypt. Yeah. And they took Jeremiah with them down yeah. uh, into Egypt. And uh, there there was already a Jewish colony there in Egypt, probably from the Assyri- when the Assyrians earlier came yes. down, um, and and probably also from the troubles. You know that there may well have been Jews that that went down there. And, and the thing to remember, we we sort of lose it in the way that we think about the modern world. But Jerusalem was like the bottleneck of this entire region. Everybody. The north, the yeah. east, the west, the south. If they wanted to go to anywhere else and do trade through anything, anything else, they did it through. That's it, right. It went through this. That's e- right. Because you've got the desert. You've yeah. got complete desert to the yep. east yep. Uh, of the Jordan, and then you've got the Mediterranean, and so yes. you've got this narrow land, which is like this highway between uh, the northern countries in Egypt and yeah. uh, and in, in the south. So a really important uh, bit of land, but. So, so there are Jews in. Um, there was a Jewish colony in Egypt in a in an area called Elephantine. Elephantine. Um, they had actually been given this territory by uh, a pharaoh for mercenary service in a war against Ethiopia. So, wow. uh, and um, so this is this was a separate, actually a separate Jewish colony there, uh, with many many uh, Jews for 180 years mm. down there in Elephantine. They actually built a new temple. Yeah. They built a temple there. Yeah. Uh, they had all of the sacrifice, uh, all of the sacrifices happening there, and um, it, it, it existed already by the time of the um, the Persian when the Persians defeated Egypt in five twenty five. Um, there are signs, though, that it was quite syncretistic, and by that I mean that. Um, they had some of the names for God in some in some of the surviving um, inscriptions and so forth. Some of the names for God have been sort of blended with pagan deities and with the Egyptian yeah, practices. Yeah, and and it just looks like um, it looks like uh, there's a bit of syncretism uh, happening here. Now, is that just a language thing, or is that them drifting into uh, you know a different culture, or a bit of both? Well. Uh, it's probably a, it's probably a bit of both. Yeah. Um, look, they they prospered in in Egypt. I mean, they're, they're, it's it's the same old story. Um, they did really well yeah. there, and many of them uh, ascended to quite high positions, even uh, in in uh, in Egypt. Um, and of course, what is always the you know they're living in a separate sort yes. of they've separated themselves to to uh, to a largely separate colony. They've prospered. They've got leading people. Yeah. Straight away, you get this anti-Semitism, yes. and that's what happens uh, in Egypt. Um, and in four ten, actually, we know that a, a riot broke out against the Jews. It was sort of in in the absence of the governor, who was sort of protecting uh, force there. This riot broke out against the Jews in the temple. The the Jewish Copy temple yes, yeah. in Elephantine was was destroyed, um, and then you know it was rebuilt with royal permission uh, because again they've got people in high places. Yeah. But um, when Egypt uh, actually took advantage of a civil war in a Persian civil war, um, the temple was again destroyed. You know, so the people just kept. This anti-Semitism was was at a sort of high, you know, fever level really in, in yeah. Egypt. Um, 
so that's that's something that we know about there that was happening uh, down uh, in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Now, also just get moving to the north. Now, we 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 saw the story of uh, Ezra and Nehemiah and all of these problems with uh, with the Samaritans. Well, Nehemiah expelled um, a grandson of the high priest, Elisha, for, mm-hmm. for intimate, because he married yes. the daughter of Sanballat, yes. you know, the, the, yep. um, the head guy in Samaria. Um, this, this young guy's uh, name most probably was Manasseh. Now, he went, he went with his wife uh, back to his father-in-law and he was subsequently given permission by the Persian king to build a rival temple yeah. uh, on the sacred Samaritan hill of Gerizim. Yeah. And he and Manasseh, this who was expelled by Nehemiah, actually became the high priest. He established that there yeah. and became the first high priest. So, and, so that's, the, and then Jesus alludes to that. That's we, right. We in, hear that later in John on. John chapter yes. four. You've got yeah. the Samaritan woman saying, "You you worship there, yeah, on, we on, worship and, but here, we yeah. worship uh, here, which is the right place." To yeah. which Jesus says, "You know, in those days, you, you know, we will worship in spirit and in truth." And, yeah. Um, so. Um, uh, so that happens here. That happens actually uh, during this period. So that's that's another thing happening. Um, we actually, apart from this, we know very actually in the fourth century, moving mm. into the three hundreds now. Mm. Um, uh, and remember, we're moving backwards. So three nineties, three eighties, three seventies. We actually Counting don't know down. much. Uh, we we really don't know much. We we know that. In uh, during the reign of Artaxerxes the third, and now he ruled from three fifty nine to three thirty eight BC. That the Jews apparently suffered some kind of calamity. We don't really know what it was. Um, it had something to do with their involvement with the Phoenicians in a revolt, which was suppressed by the Persians. Um, and so there, there, there probably was sort of mass exiles at this time. Um, and more people, therefore, going down into Egypt. Yes. So again, we remember Egypt is going to be important uh, mm. for for the Jewish people. So the Jews are under Persian rule for two hundred years, um, during which they uh, encounter um, uh, Zoroastrianism, which is the the Persian yeah. uh, religion. There's some mm. scholars like to see some influences there from Zoro- Zoroastrianism. I think that uh, can be taken too far. Mm-hmm. I actually wonder if. Uh, it's the other way around. I, 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 I'm 100 percent with you uh, yeah, there. In my limited reading yeah, yeah. and understanding and, and study into into that, it, to me, it sounds like a lot of guys have 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 taken some of the Jewish ideas back to the Persian king and said, "Let's establish a new, you know, the one true religion up here." Yeah, I think a really good case can be made for that way around. Yes, um, that um, because you know they they talk about. Uh, things like angels and, and eschatological ideas being inherited from yeah. Zoroastrianism. But I would say that Zoro- Zoroastrianism yeah. Yeah. inherited those from the Jews yes. who were in Babylon yeah. and, and from Daniel in particular, who yeah. was in this high position. So if we take, I think if we take the book of Daniel seriously, uh, which, which I do as a historical, mm-hmm. uh, accurate historical account, uh, then I then I would say that Daniel had a profound effect on yes. Zoroastrian and Zoroastrianism, which was a monotheistic religion. And uh-huh. and I mean, ha- uh, 
up to this point, Judaism is really the only mo- monotheistic religion. And yes. Suddenly you get Zoroastrianism appearing out of nowhere yeah. at a, in about 500 and, yeah. in the time we would expect Next. it to have absorbed the influence from Daniel. And so again, to me, and that again, figures. The other thing for me is that when, I, when I've read through their scriptures and stuff like that, uh, to me it has echoes of Daniel in it because it, it's obsessed with angels and demons in the spiritual world and yeah, yeah. and 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 what to do against that and everything yeah, like that, yeah. which we sort of get alluded to really for the first time in the Old Testament yeah. in the book of Daniel. Yeah, that's right. Where Daniel's made aware of these heavenly yeah. battles and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like, boom, Zoroastrian. Yeah, that's right. You know. And it- and of course, there are scholars who would say, "Well, the Book of Daniel's written much, uh, later. much later." But you know, I, I, I don't think that. No. Uh, I, I think, um, uh, I think a, ca- a really good case can be made. F- otherwise, that 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 certainly it would have had its final edit in a yes. later stage, and some of the language reflects that. Yeah. But uh, uh, I think uh, I think we need to take Daniel seriously. Okay. So um, there's also a connection there. With the New Testament again, because the Magi who who visited um, the uh, Joseph and Mary and the, the infant Jesus yes. were most probably Zoroastrian astrologers, yeah. Zoroastrian priests, really, yeah. Yeah. and um, and they're coming to, to who were familiar uh, with the old, to, the old Testament. They're prophecies. familiar with, yeah. with Old Testament prophecies, and they're coming to seek out this Messiah. Yeah. Um, so again, you know, th- there could well be a, a, a connection with Daniel there. Yeah. So um, that's just an interesting. Now we're uh, running out of time. We've only got a few more minutes. Do we want to introduce who I would consider one of the main characters in this? You know, as far as the world power goes. Yeah. Uh, you know, we alluded to yeah. it. You know, Greece, and then you know, yeah. being being a major world power during this time. Because when we get to Jesus, it's we don't hear about the Greeks. We hear about the Romans. Yeah. Well, well, I'll say a couple more things. Uh, about the emergence of Judaism in this period. And then okay. I think, because Alexander the Great sort of precurses the Maccabean Revolt, yes. so I think we'll do that in the next okay. uh, episode. Uh, if we can fit it in, we're going to have to rip yeah, through this <laughs> material. But just a couple of things uh, before we close. So in this period, uh, the office of high priest becomes really important because you've got to yes. remember um, that uh, Judea is ruled by governors. Now, Nehemiah was the governor and Nehemiah is a godly man, but that wasn't always the case. They were, they were secular rulers uh, often, and they, they were often appointed um, externally. Mm-hmm. So within Judaism, the, the office of high priest becomes centrally important yes. and, and becomes actually a very powerful uh, mm-hmm. position uh, as well. Um, so the high priest basically governed all the internal affairs. Mm. Um, so the, you know, the local governors, they didn't know how, did, how do you deal with these people. So they just, you know, they just looked to the high priest really to take the lead. So the high, high priest, which previously was just a religious role, yeah. becomes a civic leadership role as yes. well, quite a powerful role. Now, that's important. That's going to be important when we get to the New Testament as well. So Definitely. that emerges uh, in, the, in this period. Um, now, most Jews in the empire, and I've talked about the spread of Judaism, didn't have access to the temple. So what gradually happens is that Judaism becomes a religion of the book, of, of law-keeping, of the Torah in particular. And um, and throughout the empire, Jews formed synagogues where they would get together and read scripture and explain scripture and pray. Um, so the the synagogues emerged in the diaspora, pretty much from the time of the of the exile, the Babylonian mm. uh, exile, um, when the Jews would get together around the word, uh, around uh, the Torah, and um, so they formed synagogues, and um, 
the, the public reading and exposition of scripture that we have that we saw in Ezra eight and nine may have already been a, a yeah. custom. Yes. So they built this platform, and that, and that probably comes from what they were already doing in exile mm. uh, at the time. Um. Uh, and with these came the rise of targums, which are expositions uh, of the law. Um, and also the other thing is too that's important for the New Testament is that from the Persian period onward, Aramaic gradually becomes uh, the, the the common language of the, the language of the Jewish people. Yep. It's very closely related to the Hebrew language. Um, and in fact, Hebrew itself, came to be written in the Aram- – it's a very square Aramaic script. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the old Hebrew or Paleo-Hebrew uh, um, has this sort of angular kind of cursory sort of script, whereas the Aramaic script is, is a square script. So it's sort of even Hebrew as such took on a more Aramaic wow. uh, look about it. So And, of course, Jesus would have spoken Aramaic. Mm-hmm. Um, the common language in Jesus' time was Greek. Mm. Um uh, and that brings us to the next uh, okay, to the good, next great. phase, um, which we'll uh, which we'll tackle next yeah, week. Yeah, great, great, great place to uh, to leave it off there. Um, all right. Well, uh, we will we will continue this uh, next week. We're going to leave you uh, there with the looming uh, Greek, uh, you know, issue yeah, that's yeah. about to happen. The the end of the Persian. Medo-Persian, you would, you yeah, know, some yeah. people call it empires and the rise of the Greek. That's empire. right. They're coming. They're coming from yeah. the west. Look out. <laughs> Know how to end uh, that part of the discussion. Usually, we end the episode with Matt with a a, a pithy uh, statement there, but this week we're sort of just cutting it off halfway through our discussion. A little bit different for this week's episode. It's a big. I told you it was a big one. A big one there. Thank you for all of your questions. And like we say every week, if you've got a question, we would love to hear from you. He- best way to do that is to head over to thrivetoday.net.au. Right there, you'll have the link to all of our uh, online presences especially over on facebook where the discussion is happening there with over 400 people you know on that group there so make sure you're part of that and head over there until next week we've got the intertestamental period part two uh we'll see you then this has been dj here on behalf of everybody thank you for downloading and listening thrive deeper Thank you so much for listening to Thrive Deeper. We value all our listening community. If you are on Facebook, search and like Thrive Today page to get all of our latest updates. Our home on the internet is at thrivetoday.net.au. There you can subscribe to the Thrive Daily Reading Guide and contact us directly. That's at thrivetoday.net.au. Until next time, thrive.